1: Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, February seventh, twenty twenty-two. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adolier Jr. Joining me is my fellow Forbes thirty under thirty, aka the Lacroix Poppy himself, aka Tim Ma Fucking Geddes,
0: aka another person just like yourself that has beaten Sifu. Let's I can't go. believe it, Bless. It was a long and arduous journey this last weekend but we got there boys and are we going for the plat we're going to try we're going to try tim There's i love one, to hear this the one trophy i'm like i don't know if i could beat the entire game under 25 i just don't know but you See, know what i also don't know that i can't that, do it so See, let's that's try. what it's about
1: that's what it's about i'm happy for this journey for you because i had the same thing where as soon as i beat seafood i was like I don't want to stop playing this game and I think I think I can master this game and so like I want to go for the platinum but then yeah I heard about that under 25 trophy and I was like that might be the one that might yeah. be the one that makes me tap out but you know it's worth trying it's a game that I, I think is is super replayable and so like for that for as much fun as it is and for like how in in how how much people are getting into it people like Tim Geddes who I don't think traditionally would get super oh, into no. this kind of game like
0: Definitely the fact not. that you're
1: this into it I'm like dude Go for it i might I might go for it honestly after I get all these review games out the way because let me tell you it's review season right now.
0: oh, I can smell the leaves changing color baby because
1: yeah, you can smell it spell in the air would you say that this one was easier or more difficult than cuphead
0: it's uh it's very very different but i I think that this one um, is harder in the way that you you're actually learning how to get better whereas with cuphead it's like it's not like you're necessarily gaining skills throughout the journey that from level one to the final level you're like oh now I'm a master at this thing you learn so many different elements of the combat design in seafood that going back to the earlier levels i'm like oh i could just i can i feel this in my in my bones now like i know what to do it's not just like i'll push through to try to get through the next level it's like oh i am mastering this i know exactly how to handle these situations and like the the reads and tells and all that stuff and like that to me is the difference between it and cup i do think there's a lot of similarities though and i, I said this a little bit in uh, in our review for it but uh i now that i've beaten the game and seen everything it has to offer i can definitely stand by the difficulty is worth pushing through to see the crazy shit they, they're about to give you next. Like Cuphead was always rewarding you with the next phase of the boss and the, the beautiful art and animation and all that. This game does that as well in a different way. Instead of it being like classic 2D hand-drawn type animation, it's like insane style. Uh, That's backed up by the substance of the gameplay in a way that I am extremely impressed by. And I've never seen anything quite like it. We've seen, you know, neon drenched uh, trap music playing in the background type. Like that vibe is a thing that we've seen many, many times. John Wick is a perfect example of it. But this game somehow makes it feel unique and like something I've never seen before. And to take one of my favorite aesthetics ever and to ratchet it up to that notch yep shout out to slow clap it's a, it's up
1: exactly up. What, I, what i'll shout out to slow clap you know big round of applause but also it's what i mentioned in the review where talking about the presentation of this game it is that perfect mix- mixture of a really good art style really good fidelity with that art style when you're talking about like reflections and how shit like actually looks right like it, it looks not only just like artfully done it looks graphically impressive but then also it's the it's the way they set the scenery in like every single level and the way they like arrange certain rooms and the way they put art on walls and like, it's fucking fan. It's a fantastic looking game. Like I, I can't get over it. Uh, but Tim mm-hmm. talking about Sifu though, I, I, I replied to one of your tweets when you, when you mentioned that you beat it and I, 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 I proposed this as a question, right? Or as a, not even as a question, as a suggestion, mm-hmm. I feel like you're in the place right now. You're in the perfect mindset to pick up a game called Sekiro shadows die twice. Because it is that same exact satisfaction that you're getting out of Sifu that you're going to get out of Sekiro Shadows Die twice. And I think if you beat Sifu, I think you're primed to be able to get through
0: Sekiro Shadows Die twice. And I think it's a 10 motherfucking Gettys game. I mean, th- it's that bit, Bless, that you really kind of got me with. Because uh, did I download it yesterday? Yeah, Bless. I did. Oh, let's did. fucking go. Of course you did. Did, did I do that because of you? Yes, I did. But the reality is I don't think I'm touching this thing anytime soon. There's so many games to play. There's still Fair. seafood to play. I'm still trying to go back. I-, I feel where you're coming from. The thing that I'm worried about, and obviously my Twitters were ablaze with comments from people being like, From Software, when, Tim? What you yep. doing? And I-, I just think that they're different enough. And you tell me if I'm wrong, but I like the, the idea that Sifu is, like, a smaller contained experience. There is only five levels. You become a master of them because you do them all so many times. Like, I don't want this, like, long-ass version of this game. I like that it was as difficult and challenging as it was, but it's a little more bite-sized.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's exactly the way to put it, and I think that's the way I described it as well during uh, our review, which you can catch on youtubecom slash games If you have not listened to our re- review yet, uh, Sifu does feel like a bite-sized from software game, not really—not in the way that, like, actually, no, I was gonna say not in the way that's punishing. I guess it is punishing because you literally like have to keep up with your age. I guess not in the way that from software games feel a bit longer and feel a bit more grueling of an experience and there's a lot more to learn and kind of dig in there right i think there's a lot more mechanical depth and even like narrative and story depth to a from software game where sifu feels like that at a surface level but done in a way that is stylish and in a way that doesn't feel like it needs to go any deeper than it is because it knows exactly what it is right it's an arcade like experience sifu is that whereas from software for Sekiro specifically because i think they're probably the most similar in terms of how they play and how they feel Sekiro is basically like what if sifu went all the way and like gave you went the extra mile in terms of building out a big 30 hour experience of you going through the bosses of you doing fast-paced combat they play differently obviously but like i think they you go through the same mental motions of like learning a boss and learning their animations and having to counter uh, or having to read combat animations of the bosses and figure out like all right they're going they're going to hit, hit hit stop hit hit all right, how do I figure out the rhythm there? And it's not the dodging of Sifu, right? But it is the countering and building up the stagger and then take them out. Uh, and so I think it's a I think it's a lot of the same satisfaction. Playing yeah. Sifu reminded me of when I was playing Second i Shadows died twice. And so I think with that, I think you would dig it. But yeah, I don't All I right. totally understand putting it off for now because there's a lot to play.
0: <laughs> I got it downloaded, though, and it's going to stay on the PS5 for now. So we'll, we'll I'll
1: keep you updated, everybody. Oh, yeah. Tim, keep us updated. And we're not done talking about Sifu because, of course, it's KHGD. We're going to talk about video game news. And today's stories include a Sifu review roundup, what's up with Halo Infinite, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and a week at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news needs to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show Housekeeping for you. If you're listening, if you're watching, and you need to take a second, all right? Walk to your window. Open the window. Take a whiff. Take a whiff. You smell that? Mm-hmm. I know Tim smells that. I do. It's review season a new kind of funny games cast is up right now and it's our sifu review uh it is tim andy tam and i we've all played it and have a lot to say about it uh that's available right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services
0: around the globe and i'll go ahead and say i think that's a must listen to episode of the games cast dude it's so good because me Bless and Andy are super high on the game uh, and have beaten it. I had not beaten it yet and was getting my ass kicked, but I was really, really into it. and I uh, was giving it like the, my recommendation. Tam, being the from guy for sure, mm-hmm. was a little less high on it, enjoyed the game still, but like there was it was probably the most difference of opinion about a game I think we've ever had on the games cast and it was interesting because we all liked it at the very least but there was a lot of contention between the level of quality and Tim had extremely like well said uh breakdowns of like why he isn't necessarily vibing with it as much as some other people are
1: yeah it's i think it's for sure the most i've ever disagreed with somebody during a review but it's also i think one of the best conversations we've had in terms of like okay no i see where you're coming from x y and z thing is like not maybe not as good as the other thing but this is why i like this thing oh this is why i feel good about this thing that you feel bad about like i think it is a it's a must listen episode for sure and i think everybody got brought their a game on it
0: Yeah, and with that uh, just a real quick thing you were promoting youtube.com slash kind of funny games and review season all that stuff Mm -hmm. we've been really working hard and i'm super proud of the team for first off i love that we're we're big enough and diverse enough of a cast now that we can have tackle multiple games with a ton of people on publishers and developers have been so good i feel like better than ever about getting as many codes as possible out to people Mm -hmm. so it's like been really nice that for the most part Many people have been able to play the games, so we have like different talking points. But I also love the amount of content we've been putting out, and like Andy and Blessed, everyone's been really kicking ass, uh, Barrett at uh, making content hit embargo time. So I don't want to say expect this every time, but we are trying right now to put out our re- games cast reviews at embargo, uh, Andy's first hour with the game gameplay preview, and uh, the short one minute TikTok version of the um, review all at the same time at embargo. And so we appreciate you guys checking them all out. Let give us feedback, what you think about them. But I think it's a a really cool kind of speaking to a bunch of different audiences all at once at that embargo time. So you can look forward to more of that in the future.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I will say it's making review season really feel like the holiday, you know, Mm -hmm. like if it feels like an event and I'm having a blast with it, you know, this is the best review season I think I've ever had. And so shout out. review season and speaking a review season your next episode of gamescast is coming on valentine's day and it's our horizon forbidden west review so get hyped for that and then write in with your horizon questions for next week's ps love you xoxo where we'll break down all of your horizon forbidden west questions answered speaking uh, PS I love you we're recording later today and we're talking about the 10 live service games that Sony is working on uh, you can catch that live as we record on Patreon or later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe uh, Tuesday that's tomorrow I'm taking over Xbox's Twitch channel in celebration of Black History Month uh, I'll be playing some of my favorite games from Rare Replay you can tune into that at noon Pacific time on twitch.tv Xbox to watch live Thank you to our Patreon producers, Gordon McGuire, James Davis at James Davis Makes, Pranksy, Manny the Bagel Boy Sanchez, and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by ExpressVPN and Chime, but we'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have seven stories today. A baker's dozen. A big news day. Let's start with our number one. We have a seafood review roundup. I put this in number one because I knew it was going to be me and Tim. And I know Tim has a lot to say about seafood now that you've beaten mm. it. Right now, Sifu's sitting on Metacritic at an 81 and on OpenCritic at an 80. Mitchell Saltzman at IGN gave it an eight, a 9 out of 10 and says, Sifu demands a lot from you. And that's a sword that cuts both ways its combat is impeccable with incredibly smooth and impactful animation deep fighting mechanics and challenging enemies that really make you fight tooth and nail for every victory at the same time the repetition that comes from replaying levels so you can essentially set a high score and give yourself a chance at completing the rest of the short campaign with what's effectively one persistent pool of lives can lead to some really frustrating moments with no clear path through outside of just trying and trying until you get better at it, which can be frustrating. On the other side of that vicious learning curve, Uh, though, is one of the most impressive beat-em-ups I've ever played, with excellent level design, fantastic music, music, and, once it was all over, a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction that few other video games can provide. Then Ben Reeves at Game Informer gave it a 7.25 out of 10 and says, like a 20-year-old combatant, Sifu comes out the gate strong. Its core combat feels excellent, and the moment-to-moment action looks better than most Hollywood blockbusters. Sadly, as you progress, the action begins to show its teeth, and eventually becomes a tiresome grind. Seafood deserves props for its incredible sense of style and tone, but it is also a great example of why growing old isn't always fun. And then, a great line. Good for you, Ben Reeves. Yeah, Ben Reeves was in the Duffy with that one. Uh, and then Blessing at Kind of Funny called it a Game of the Year contender. And then, Kevin, if you're able to bring up the TikTok, I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, of course, like Tim mentioned earlier in the show, we have our little TikTok reviews, our reviews in under 60 seconds. They can grab on that platform. Dig also TikTok, on YouTube, though.
0: Just, real, just let okay, everyone know. YouTube, they're, they're also YouTube available on, yeah, It's a John Wick-like so.
1: revenge tale that is equal. Here we to- go. Kevin's pulling it up. If you can uh, play it from the beginning. You want like audio and stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, I think we're watching, we're watching through the, the full thing. Get people the full experience. Sifu Wait, is a game, game of the year contender. It's a John Wick-like revenge tale that is equal parts addicting, flashy, and filled with the mechanical depth of a fighting game. I kid you not, the combat and animation is so smooth that at times I felt like I was recreating that famous scene from Ip Man. The game is developer Slowcap's follow-up to their indie cult release, Absolver, but unlike that game, Sifu sheds its multiplayer and live service features while leaning into the things that work for Absolver, the excellent art style, smooth fighting animation, and the deeply technical combat mechanics. The key to victory in Sifu is to beat every single goon-filled level and take down their badass cast of bosses without depleting your age. Yes, I said age. Because with each death, years get added on to your life. This means that you'll need to replay levels over and over again, learning the enemies, mastering combos, perfecting your dodges, and becoming an unstoppable martial artist in order to achieve an ideal run and reach the ending. Playing through Sifu is an exhilarating experience. It's brutal, satisfying, visually stunning, and one of the best beat-em-up games I've ever played. That is why... Sifu is a game of the year contender. And there you go. It's there a John Wick legend. Gotta love, the love the that. Loop. Shout out to Roger Corney and the TikTok team out there killing yeah. it. Tim, you've seen the reviews. Mm-hmm. Are these reviews what you expected?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that they they very much are. Uh, after playing the game where I think it's getting a lot of nines from people and that kind of like feels absolutely right and where I kind of would uh, lean towards. But then you're seeing some sevens and it brings the Metacritic down to that 81. That totally sounds right because this is a game that is brutal and it's not perfect. It is... I think so close to perfect in so many ways that it kind of starts to really shine a light on some of the issues the game has, where it is frustrating. They do not do a great job of explaining to you uh, a lot of the mechanics that are the most helpful, most useful things that are going to get you through the game. And I will would not have beat this game had I not talked to you and talked to Andy uh, separately about different specific things. i like, how am I supposed to do this? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh the game didn't explain it that way like uh, i think a perfect example is the uh, the way that the And there's so many different words that are similar but different in this game, whether it's dodge, avoid, parry, or guard. Like, they're all similar but different. But the thing where I think it's called avoid, where you hold the guard button down and then move the analog stick and the character kind of, like, dodges out of the way. The only way the game actually teaches you that is really early in the first level. You jump through... Uh, a window and then a mini boss character stands up and he goes to grab you and then the screen kind of slows for a second and it says to dodge this hold the button and and move the analog stick but the way they present it doesn't make me feel like that is a thing that i'm supposed to apply to the rest of the game that makes it feel like oh this is how you dodge grabs right so i was going through the game just using that to dodge grabs instead of using it to dodge literally Mm -hmm. everything Then I talk to you and you're like, oh, this is how I do it. I'm like, oh my God, totally changed everything. And like, that's just such a small little thing, but I feel like you can multiply that across so many different um, examples of the game not being clear how it actually wants you to play. So like I keep meeting my mic
1: because I think somebody's sawing something in the apartment next to me. I don't know if you hear it, but it is a loud sound to me. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm totally with you in terms of like the difficulty of the game and how the game, like we talk, there's a big talking point in our review in terms of the obfuscation of like a lot of the systems and how you kind of really got to learn. And... That's something that I actually really liked, you know, it's, it's fun playing this game in the review period where there's not guides out there. There's not really many people I can turn to, especially for me. Cause I was, as soon as I got the code, I was deep into it. Right. Like I, I, I hit the ground running with the, with the game. And so like being further into the game and being like, all right, I think this works this way. Oh man. Okay. I really can't make it to the end of the game without having to like, uh, uh figure out this age situation. So how do I do that? And like having to slowly like understand all the different systems for me was part of the fun. Like I actually really enjoyed that. And I think that's, that maybe just be part of who I am in terms of what the kind of enjoyment I like to get out of video games. I like learning. I like getting better, but yeah, I also look at other uh, reviews and other takes on it. And I'm like, Oh, I totally see where, where people are coming from in terms of like, this shit is tough, and they should teach you some of this shit, because, like, there are a lot of overlapping systems, especially when you're talking about skill trees and upgrades, and then the avoid versus the dodge, and, like, when to counter, when not to counter. All these, There's a lot going on in Sifu, and so I could see ways in which, oh, yeah, I could for sure uh, teach some of these things better.
0: It, and it's tough because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but here I am dozens of hours into this game like i've played a lot i've because i'm not great i've played a lot more than i think uh people that have played souls games before uh will put into this game just to beat it um but there is a lot of fun stuff to do after you beat it as well and like there's a lot of replayability but i i struggle to, to think like would i want 10 hours of my gameplay back that were kind of wasted not understanding how to play the game and i kind Mm -hmm. of feel like i would because i would rather have put those 10 hours in to actually knowing what i was doing with certain mechanics and that's kind of a bummer and that's where i think a lot of the frustration comes into play of the grind of doing things over and over and over and the way they explain stuff but having said that the flip to it is because i had to grind that's how i kind of really learned a lot of the uh things where, where it's not just kind of uh I, what i appreciate about this game is that it doesn't turn into uh just memorize simon says how to dodge things it actually becomes muscle memory it actually becomes like a reactive thing where you know how to react to stuff instead of just like okay up up down down you know it's like yeah. you're, you're ready for them to come at you in different ways so i think that that 10 hours of wasted time is what taught me that
1: can i ask you then the i'll call it the golden question now Mm-hmm. Is seafood too
0: difficult? That's a. <sighs> it's a big wish... conversation people are having now. Yeah, totally. I just wish that it wasn't as like political as it is. <laughs> um, I I don't think it's too difficult. I I think that it is. Uh, it is simultaneously very well designed, and I wish that some of the difficulty was designed better, uh, mm. to, like in all the ways I was just saying. So I, I don't think it's perfect. Uh, but I think that its difficulty is a, a big part of what it is. Do I think that there should be an easy mode so that other people can enjoy this? Definitely. Do I think that there should be a lot of changes made to make it more accessible in a bunch of ways? Absolutely. Like, even for me, I was having so many issues with various parts of this. They they let you remap all the buttons, which is fantastic. I love when a game lets you do that. But I still think the control scheme is just a little convoluted. There's just one too many buttons necessary to do certain actions. Like the focus attacks. Like I don't like that you have to hit a button to activate the thing, use a stick to choose which one you want, and then hit another button all in not real time. It's slow-mo, but there's still a fight happening. And that just seems like, okay, you should just be able to map this to something different, right? Like, I don't know. Things like that I feel are what hold this back from being that perfect experience. But is the game too difficult? personally i say no. Mm.
1: Yeah, i'm 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 with you. I, I I don't think the game's too difficult at all. I actually really like the game's difficulty. And if the game was if the game was way easier, I don't think i would love this game as much as i do. Like i really like the process of dying over and over again and having to really figure out the combos and figure out the animation and like I, th- I think that's a part That's part of the joy of the experience. I think that is a separate conversation from accessibility, right? Where I do wish the game had more options in terms of like, could it use an ease mode? Maybe, right? Like, could it use a assist mode like how Celeste has where you can tweak certain mechanics and make it so that, oh, um, let me give myself a, a bit more health or let me make it so that I don't get staggered every time an enemy does this move. I think that stuff is always welcome and that stuff to some extent should always be included. And I think uh, Sivu could use a lot of that. Uh, but in terms of the actual design difficulty, I think it's perfect. I, I, I do think it can be a bit obtuse in terms of the learning of it and figuring it out like, cool, I see that this game is difficult. Let me, give me the tools to be able to tackle that difficulty. And that's kind of what we're talking about in terms of teaching mechanics, right? Like tell, like, teach me why I should avoid versus why I should dodge, why I should counter, like all these things that we've talked about so far. I think that stuff can be on, uh, can be onboarded with the player a bit more smoothly and a bit more cleanly. But yeah, I think the actual difficulty of the game is fine. I actually really enjoy it.
0: I think that the a big part of this conversation is how obtuse the game can be, and whether you like that or don't like it. I don't think that this game is designed and was the intention was to do that. Like I think that that is a soul's thing, a Sekiro thing of like you just kind of like there's there's rules, but you not need to figure them out by yourself. this the fact that this game tells you as much as it does tell you, is evidence to me that that wasn't the case they wanted people to understand how mm-hmm. to play it they just did a bad job of saying it and that that i think is a bummer and i i think that some of it can be changed and i think that there are a lot of things about this game that can just be patched and would improve it tenfold so we'll see how that goes once you know now people are playing it so they're going to get a lot of feedback and we can see what changes they end up making um but yeah very impressed with this game and i i can't stop thinking about it i can't stop wanting to play it Like it is. A very, very amazing video game. And I think it's going to be something special for years to come. And I'm going to be thinking about this game for a long
1: time. I 100% agree. Tim, speaking of games making changes post-launch, story number two, what's up with Halo Infinite? Uh, I asked the question because over on Forbes, Paul Tassie writes an article titled, Halo Infinite has fallen outside Xbox's top five, outside of Steam's top 100. The article reads like this. While Halo Infinite debuted with great reviews and a lot of talk about it being a return to form for the series, the game has struggled to retain players past its initial launch period. We're only two months post-launch, though closer to three months uh, for the early release of multiplayer, and near midway through the game's first month or first six-month season. But Halo Infinite has fallen outside of Xbox's top five most-played games. Sitting at number six behind long-term leaders, it was unable to unseat for any significant length of time significant length of time. The top games are Fortnite, Call of Duty Warzone, GTA 5, Apex Legends, Roblox, and then at number six, you got Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite, of course, is free on Xbox Game Pass, and its multiplayer component is free without Game Pass, so that's not a barrier here. On Steam, things have crashed pretty hard. At the time of writing this, Halo Infinite is number 117 most played is the number number 117 most played game on Steam. Granted, it can shoot up quite a bit during different times of the day, but even at peak hours when I looked yesterday, it was hovering around 40th place instead. Fact is, the game has lost about 90% of its players on Steam in 2 to 3 months. What's going on here? A few things. Halo Infinite has undergone a number of issues, particularly in regard to its multiplayer It turned off a number of of players with microtransaction pricing and battle battle pass progression, and though it has made large overhauls in those areas, it may be too late for some. There are issues with cheaters, particularly on PC, which may explain further departures. And Ranked Halo Infinite Play has been pretty messed up from the start. And recently it seems it was revealed that your quick play MMR factors into your Ranked experience, so players are purposefully tanking games in that mode to get easier matches in Ranked, screwing up the entire experience. And then there are more general problems with the entire concept of Infinite, something a few high-profile streamers talked about ahead of launch and were chastised for, but... They might be right. The fact is, traditional team-based shooters have fallen out of favor, which is Halo's bread and butter. On console, you can see that three of the top five titles are Battle Royale games. On Steam, the top shooters, there are no respawn tactical team games like CSGO or Valorant. It's worth noting that Call of Duty Vanguard and Battlefield 2042 are also even further down on these lists, games with much bigger issues than Infinite has, in addition to being traditional team-based offerings. Tim, you're one of the Halo guys here I Kind of Funny have you been keeping up with halo infinite and also does this
0: surprise you i mean so what surprises me is how this headline doesn't really feel like it's being backed up by the article like Mm. i feel like like it's kind of it's misleading a little bit like while that these are facts i don't think it's as dire of a situation as it's like leading us to believe like falls outside xbox's top five okay it's number six (laughs) so it's like had this headline just said it's been in the top 10 for months, then it's a positive thing, right? So there's just a framing thing there. It dropping out of the steam's top hundred, I do think is evidence to where the game is at. And I think that the game clearly has a lot of problems and is struggling to kind of maintain the, the community that like a game like that requires and going into all of Paul's points at the end of, you know, people's thoughts towards arena shooters versus team-based shooters versus XYZ. I, I think that there is a lot of that that plays into it, but games don't need to beat call of duty to be successful right like Mm. we can live in a world where we look at these top games fortnite call of duty gta apex roblox and then halo infinite like cool that represents a kind of a swath of different types of games um many different types of shooters even in one in one go so i don't think that this is too big of a surprise i do think that it is a little sad that it seems like halo didn't Capitalize off the momentum that it had at the end of last year because I would have loved to see them just really kick ass and like take over and bring Halo back to prominence and have it be the number one thing that no one can stop playing because there's just so much content everyone loves it and all the decisions were made correctly but that's not where we're at and I don't think that we're ever going to be and I think that when it comes to their content rollout plans and the decisions they've made there they seem to be sticking to some of them uh, like the progression system and they seem to be open to feedback on others and. We'll see where we're at in a year from now. But I don't think that this is as doom and gloom as the headline is presenting.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you that I don't think it's as doom and gloom, right? I think being being number six after those five listed games, you are talking about Fortnite, Call of Duty Warzone, GTA 5, Apex Legends, and Roblox. And those are all th- super popular games that have been around for a while and have had time to build up their player bases and maintain those player bases. Halo Infinite, I don't think is at its peak yet. You know, I think you look at it at it, you look at it in its launch months and you're like, yeah, okay, like of course during this time it's going to skyrocket because the game is just coming out and you're talking to the Xbox audience and of course that audience is going to flock to this. But I think Halo Infinite being kind of a different Halo launch, right? It not being the $60 experience, it being a free-to-play ongoing platform-based game. I think you're going to see it grow over the years or at least I think that is what's what the plan is. Whether or not it's successful in that, I think is we're, we're yet to see. Uh but I don't think that right now it not being in the top five is a problem. I think maybe a year from now, us talking about where Halo Infinite lands among everything, that becomes more. It becomes more of a legitimate conversation of how has how has growth gone, right? How's player how is player retention? Are they bringing back people with updates? Are they bringing back people when they implement Forge? When they implement campaign co-op? When they implement new modes that people are into? I think that becomes more of the 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 thing that we can go and judge by. Uh, but for where it's at right now, I don't think it's as wild i do think that i the the point that i do like from this article or that i at least think is interesting is them talking about the arena shooter thing and how yeah right now there's not really a big arena shooter that is maintaining in that top five or in the top watched games on 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 twitch or, or any of these other platforms where it is it's about the battle royales right it's about the tactical shooters right the CS:GOs and the valorants and i think that's just where we're at right i don't necessarily I don't don't necessarily think the article is wrong in that. I also don't think that Halo Infinite has to be the most popular shooter of all time to still be good and still be successful. I think it's fine to be the most popular in a less popular uh, sphere, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's also interesting to note that the Game Pass element, right? So more people, I imagine, are playing on Xbox than they are on Steam, although I guess the game's free to play. Multiplayer-wise. Multiplayer-wise, so yeah. May, yeah, maybe that wouldn't be too big of a factor. I take that back. But um it's also interesting to keep an eye on what you're saying about how Microsoft is treating its games now, whether that's due to Game Pass or just in general with their ecosystem. But like Sea of Thieves, right? Like it coming out and then over the years, just getting like breaking its own records. I, I wonder if that, that definitely can happen for Halo. So we'll see.
1: I also do wonder, and this is going to be, I think, a thing that we keep an eye on over the years, right? I wonder if game pass makes it so that people are moving like a herd where it is forza comes out in november everybody on game pass is playing forza halo comes out the next month everybody migrates the, to, to halo and then as the months go and as more games on game pass go right like we're talking about how big this last month uh, and the next month are for for game pass between games like rainbow six extraction and a bunch of other games hitman uh, uh nobody saves the world all this stuff is it a thing of game pass players being more uh i guess like game pass players moving from game to game a bit more quicker because they have such a high number of games that they can jump into and they can mi- mig- migrate onto i th- i think there might be something there but i also don't think that as specifically the case for halo infinite uh given that also it's just free to play general right and also yeah. on pc and all these things uh but that is something that you know i'd, I'd like to float and maybe keep an eye on but that's for totally. the future for yes. now Tim, let's hop in to story number three. Speaking of the future, Sony teases a breakthrough AI project created with Gran Turismo Studio Polyphony. This is Tom Ivan at VGC. And Kevin, I have a video you can pull up at the top of the article in the doc. Uh, They can pull up as I'm reading. Sony has teased plans to reveal a breakthrough project in AI later this week. The company's AI division said the project has been created in collaboration with Sony Interactive Entertainment and Gran Turismo Studio Polyphony Digital. It also released the following teaser v- video ahead of the project's official announcement on Wednesday. And this is one that I have nothing to say about. I don't know what this is. I don't know much about Sony AI, but I think it is fascinating. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this is on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, this, this is some weird, real nerdy shit, but like it could be. Real cool. You know, Gran Turismo is a game that is for a specific audience. That audience is large. It's not quite as large as it used to be uh, relative to all of gaming. I feel like back in the PS1, PS2 era, Gran Turismo really kind of like represented PlayStation gamers in a lot of ways. Where now it's just kind of like, you know, another vertical in Sony's many, many uh, like different verticals that it has. But uh, looking at all the stuff from GT7, it's beautiful. Like this game looks gorgeous and that's always been... A key thing to the Gran Turismo franchise, and what this means, I don't know. Like, what what could this even be?
1: I so I the one theory I have, and people in chat are throwing this out there as well, uh, are drivatars. Which, if you play Forza, right, drivatars are essentially um, AI that emulate the way that like people on your friends list drive. And so you'll be driving in Forza Horizon open world, and then you'll come across. I'll see like stoic mics. Uh, username on a car, or like my friend Yami's username on a car, or whoever, and I am essentially like racing their drivatar, which has their stats, right? It supposedly drives like them and all this stuff. And now I'm competing against players that are uh, not just ra- random AI, random bots, but it is kind of the people that are on my friends list. I could see this be that, especially since you're talking about Polyphony, you're talking about Gran Turismo, and you're talking about Sony AI. That seems like a thing that works together perfectly, and I'm sure it's a highly requested feature. Um, that's the only thing that comes to mind. But, yeah, I don't know what else it would be. I got to guess is that. Yeah. They're, fin- they're finally going to reveal the AI people from that one PlayStation 5 event. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna the we long gotcha.
1: con. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those black silhouettes? It was us the whole time. Now you're, now you're going to drive with them. So funny. God. Tim, our next news story is a beefy one, and I can't wait to talk about Platinum and the, the live service focus that they're shifting to. But before we get there, I want to let people know about patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where they can go to get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you
0: about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Look, I get it. You don't watch porn, so maybe you're just paying attention to this ad for, you know a friend but with everything going on the world governments have increased surveillance they're using your devices to track your location movements and in a lot of places your internet activity expressvpn reroutes your internet connection through a secure encrypted server so you can surf the web anonymously newsflash incognito mode is a sham your isp can still see every single site you visit but with one click of a button expressvpn keeps others from seeing all the freaky stuff you've been looking at yeah talking about you, Nick Scarpino. We've been using ExpressVPN for a long time. It's been keeping me safe, keeping me secure. I just feel better being out on the internet knowing that ExpressVPN has my back. Protect your privacy today and get three months of ExpressVPN for free. Visit expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash kindoffunny for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny to learn more shout out to chime for sponsoring this episode new year new you maybe a you who leaves behind things that don't serve you like those dang overdraft fees when your checking account balance is running low the last thing you need is an overdraft fee but with chime an award-winning app and debit card you can save that hard earned cash money without paying overdraft fees eligible members can overdraft up to two dollars On debit card purchases and cash withdrawals with absolutely no overdraft fees. Make your first good decision in 2022 and join over 10 million people using Chime. Sign up only takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. You can get started at chime.com/slash KF Games. That's C H I M E.com/slash KF Games. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank, NA members FDIC. Eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Overdraft only applies applies to debit card purchases and cash withdrawals limits start at $20 and may be increased up to 200 by chime see chime.com slash spot me and go to chime.com slash kfgames to get started one Tim story number four before uh, we get to that real quick oh, plus, I just want to say too? I was looking at myself doing the ad read and I was like my god I have so many gray hairs in my beard like life is insane I'm an old ass man it's, it's like seafood seafood in real life man um mm-hmm. uh, but you too, in a different way, are, you're aging like a fine wine. Can <laughs> you please bring up this gif here? Who is this 13-year-old boy oh, blessing? Man. Oh, my God. Why is you so young? Wait, it's <laughs> so less, funny
1: because that. that's not from that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. that's in your same place. You do look a lot yeah. younger. That was maybe 10 it, months ago. Is it probably. just the hair? Damn, that's it's good. literally just the hair. And was this the when hair I was still trying that... to grow up here? No, i am shaved here. So yeah. this must have been this was either fall 2020 or like maybe like may last year unbelievable hey man the that's globe what is real blast. You, grow out, you grow out your hair you buy a leather jacket all of a sudden everything changes for you you start Hell getting yeah. calls from model agencies tim it's, cra- it's great it's great mm-hmm. it's crazy you know it's a wild time um speaking of wild times story number four platinum's new ceo wants to create larger riskier games and hence at a live service focus this is andy robinson at video games chronicle Company co-founder Atsushi Inaba, who recently took over as president and CEO, discussed his promotion in a recent interview with Famitsu, translated by VGC, along with his aspirations for the Bayonetta developer's future. In the interview, Inaba appeared to suggest a larger focus on live-service games. He said he would let the company to create more games that can be enjoyed enjoyed and loved for a longer period of time, compared to one-off, well-designed titles such as Bayonetta. And Kamiya's Project GG, uh, which if you remember Project GG, that is the third entry into like what they're calling the superhero trilogy, which is like wonderful 101 in those games. Uh, Kamiya's Project GG was mentioned specifically by Inaba in relation to his desire to create titles, quote, that are different from the past, end quote. "Quote: Project GG is still in the stage of testing various things, so I can't tell you much about it. But when it comes to future game production, we want to focus on creating games that are different from the past. I like to focus on creating games that can be enjoyed and loved for a longer period of time." End quote. He added, quote, of course, we would like to cherish and create small and brilliantly con- conceived games such as Soul Cresta, and games in which you can en- Soul Cresta is a really interesting one to throw out there. And games in which you can enjoy the process of clearing the game by going through one-off well-designed stages such as Bayonetta. However, the projects that we are trying to create for the future will be different in terms of their structure. Considering the changes in the market over the next five years or so, I think it's absolutely necessary for us to do this. I'm sorry for being so vague and I don't know if you hear whatever's going on in my apartment. there's some loud shit going on today. It, 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 it's <laughs> there, but it's very very light A little rumbling okay that's good no it's, no big it's loud on my side <laughs> I will tell you uh, yeah uh, it does I'm sorry wide for wide being wide. so vague, but I think that's all I can tell you for now end quote Platinum has previously con- confirmed that its Tokyo studio was established in 2020 in order to facilitate its desire to expand its live ops games. It's also releasing its first MMO-style title in Babylon's Fall, which was co-developed with Square Enix this year. However, Inaba's latest comments are potentially the first indication of the level of commitment the company intends to place on server's games overall. Inaba told Famitsu that Platinum currently has has some 300 staff across its Osaka and Tokyo Studios, with 70 in the latter, but that he's keen to expand to over 500 in order to match his ambitions for the company. Quote, and I'm almost done here, quote, in the past, even if we wanted to create our our own IP, it was difficult to do so, and even if we could, it would be on a very small scale. We could only make indie class pro- products. In the future, I will like to get rid of all that and make larger games from our ideas and succeed in at least one thing. I want, I want to lead Platinum Games in a direction that is pure and unadulterated and never look back. I think that's my role now. End quote. That was a lot, Tim.
0: It is. It is a lot, and I I think that this is a perfect example of a lot of words being said that can be taken a lot of ways that sound bad, but if you just apply them to, like, what the reality of the future is going to actually look like, I don't think it's as bad as this potentially sounds and could be. I think Mm -hmm. this is just them looking at it and, like, looking at the sales of a lot of their games, and they're just not what they need to be to sustain that level of game development like I was just looking up Bayonetta and like Bayonetta is not a seller in any any way Mm -hmm. (laughs) like uh it is very 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 poorly selling like even the um the PC version has sold over 170k and they're really happy with that performance 170k (laughs) like that's a, that's a low number bless compared yeah. to millions that you are when you think about when you're talking about modern video games right and there's a lot you of things AAA. there Poor, when you, yeah exactly so i don't think it's too big of a surprise but like it is a bummer and especially when you look at something like bayonetta 3 that's been in development for a very long time or at least been a, a project that exists for a very long time has it changed what does that the scope of that project look like i don't know but even looking at platinum's other projects like i just think that there's many shifts happening in the industry right now. And uh, I think a lot of the Japanese developers are kind of trying to figure out their take on a lot of the more Western ideologies when it comes to Mm -hmm. game development and microtransactions and service games and all of that stuff. Uh, How do they apply some of those things into their development? That's what we're going to see in the next coming years.
1: Yeah. I, I get worried about this mainly for, what we've seen happen with Babylon's fall, where that game was revealed years and years ago at e three looks super dope, right? was teased as from the same folks as uh, the near games that you love. and then uh, like a couple years later we see Babylon's fall reemerge and it it looks trash, right? It looks not good whatsoever. and then it comes out that, oh no, this is not going to be a games and service title. I don't want to see that happen to platinum in terms of we us seeing more and more games that look like that. I don't think this is a... I don't want to be doom and gloom about it because I don't think it's completely doom and gloom. I think there could be something promising here if they're able to figure out how to manage their titles in a way where these types of games don't replace what we love about Platinum because I think what we love about Platinum are these well-designed, really cool, somewhat niche action titles, right? That is where they they exceed, right? It's the Vanquish, it is Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, it is Astral Chain, it is Near Automata, right? These are the kind of games that they've become known for and that people revere them for and I get fearful when they talk about this, this shift to, to live service, and especially when their, their first foot forward is Babylon's Fall, and that game has seemingly no hype whatsoever anymore. I don't think I've seen anybody talk about uh, them being excited for Babylon's Fall anymore, and that's a bummer. And it, it comes back to, you know, you being right in terms of, are these games selling, right? Like, are these games making money for Platinum? And the answer is probably, the answer is probably not enough. Uh, and I totally understand that shift. It's similar to what we're talking about with Sony right now in terms of them buying Bungie and then talking about leaning into uh, uh, live-service games. I do think the difference there is that, like, with Sony, I don't expect live-service games to replace anything that Sony has going on, right? Ghost Stream is not going to go away. Whatever the next Last of Us game is not going to go away, right? Spider-Man is not going to go away. Everything seems, seems like it's going to be additive, and I expect quality from that. Whereas, you know, talking to Greg and uh, having the conversation on Gamescast, actually, about the... Activision Blizzard acquisition and and Greg making the very solid points in terms of third-party AAA development is so difficult and is in a place where you're so beholden to how much money you're making. Platinum Games is in a place where yeah they're probably very they're they're probably like dude we make these dope ass games they are not selling and not making us money and it's either us we shift or we don't make games anymore because we're not be we're not able to sell uh, sell these things. And that sucks. That like that sucks uh, uh, as a place to be in. Uh, and I hope they're able to make it work. Like I hope they're able to, you know, make these games, like make these games that make the money, but also make the games that we love at the same time. But I get worried that they're not going to be able to. I think that's where I come from.
0: I mean, the last thing I want to say about this though is we should keep our eyes on Bayonetta three because it is going to be a very different situation than we have seen before with the previous Bayonetta games. Uh, Bayonetta one did fairly well overall, but that was because it was on multiple consoles. If I remember correctly it was like a timed exclusive or something like it was only on ps3 or 360 and then came to the other later you can go to you're wrong about that but whatever at some point it was on multiple consoles close enough to its original launch whereas bayonetta 2 was stuck on the wii u, wii u right yeah. so like that's a whole set of issues to itself but then later they ported it to other systems but like that's that type of port doesn't get the insane push of marketing that Nintendo would do for a port of something like Mario 3D World or something like that. Right. Um so even that sold okay but like not it didn't it didn't have the switch bump, right? Bayonetta 3, if pushed right from Nintendo, could get that switch bump and could kind of have that like multi-million dollar or multi-million sales like number of like, oh shit, they did it, you know? Uh but we'll we'll have to wait and see whatever that game actually comes out. God, oh, yeah. Bayonetta 3,
1: I th- do you think it's gonna come out this year? I think it's gonna come out this year. It's got to, right? It, it's been I so. Feel long. like
0: it's got to. I I do yeah. think. I mean, they just last week during Nintendo's financial reports thing said 2022 for Bayonetta 3, and while well, that doesn't mean shit because they also said that about Breath of the Wild, like mm. I'm hopeful.
1: Final question. I know we we we've been talking about acquisition a lot, and mm-hmm. like I go very back and forth on acquisition in terms of like hating corporate consolidation, but also like seeing some of these developers and being like, oh man, I hope. Like, I, I look at Konami and I'm like, please get acquired by PlayStation because you guys are not doing anything with Metal Gear, right? And, like, Platinum, as they're talking about the shift, as they're talking about live service, I'm like, oh, man, are you guys in trouble? Like, do you guys need help? And with that, like, do you think they could get acquired? And if so, who do you think goes after them? Because I could see a case for PlayStation, obviously, but I could
0: also see a case for Nintendo. Oh, interesting. I, I feel like Nintendo, Nintendo, I don't need to they They don't need to yeah and the thing about nintendo is they are traditional in a lot of ways and they don't change they just kind of stick to how they do things and how they do things is often weird the weird nintendo decisions but like it's consistently weird in a way that we're the type of teams and and things that they acquire aren't platinum right like it's a different genre of of studio I think that their partnerships make the most sense for them and they don't really need to go any deeper than that like I don't think that Nintendo has much to gain acquiring Platinum I guess it's kind of the point Mm. that they they're not already getting uh just from their their strategic partnerships and kind of the the co-production and stuff but things like Bayonetta 3 right um where very much is a Nintendo published game
1: yeah I mean Bayonetta 3, I look at Astral Chain as well which yeah. I don't I don't know the Astral Chain numbers uh, and how well that sold. I can't imagine that sold great even though I love I fucking loved Astral Chain. Um but like oh god, I want them to keep making those games is my thing. And like I think that partnership has been pretty has produced some pretty cool titles. Uh, and like I I could see it just from that perspective, but also from the PlayStation side, I think Plat- uh, Platinum. I I could see PlayStation making good use of Platinum and maintaining those kinds of games and being able to say like, hey, you come to PlayStation for our like the the PlayStation as PlayStation game. We're now taking Platinum and making them like turning them into that type of game in terms of like you know you are coming to us for the action hack and slash games that are at the at the best quality possible. I could see PlayStation turning Platinum into that.
0: Um. Uh. But... Astral Chain as of March twenty twenty. So this is very, very very. Very outdated at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh has sold over one point zero eight million copies. So there's the switch bump. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like that's for a new IP on the switch, like that's that's great. So mm-hmm. cool. maybe there's a future ahead for platinum. <laughs> maybe
1: there's a future ahead. Tim speaking. <laughs> Of game sales. Story number five Dying Light 2 is selling like hotcakes. This is Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Dying Light 2 appears to be off to a strong start, as it is already shambled its way onto Steam's top 25 most played games of all time with a peak concurrent player count of 274,983 players. It's a large number. Uh, according to Steam DB, Dying Light 2, which has greatly outperformed the original Dying Light's all time peak of 45,876 players, has passed both Colot. Colat, Colat, I'm going to say Colat, in Halo Infinite to place 23rd on the list of Steam's most played games of all time by concurrent players. And it sits behind the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. For comparison, PUBG Battlegrounds is holding strong onto the number one spot with an all time peak of 3.2 million players. In a distant second, sits Counter-Strike Global Offensive with
0: 1.3 million players. Tim, does this surprise you? Dying Light 2, killing it i mean yo it's kind of just video games nowadays right like there's more gamers out there than ever there's more ways to play these games i think that pc gaming is like a be- definitely uh adopted by more people than ever so like i'm not that surprised like i feel like every time games are released now there's going to be records broken because there's just more people interested in these type of games and again Dying Light one came out and had that Amazing moment where it like redefined what a January February time frame can look like for games, and here we are with Dying Light Two seven years whatever later, and it's I think kind of just ironically hit at the right time, like right before this rush of all the February games coming out, and like I I think that we could not have called this like Dying Light Two became one of those overexposed games in terms of preview coverage and its development and everything, and the pandemic certainly didn't help with all that, but hey, good for them, man yeah Dying Light is for
1: sure on something i like it being in the top 25 of all time in terms of concurrence on steam is really impressive it's even more it's mind-blowing to me when it's above like halo infinite and multiplayer games that you would expect you know be, have that staying power in that top 25 Dying Light 2 as an open world triple a third party uh zombie game strikes me as a wild one for that but also i think that probably speaks to how they've treated that ip over the last however many years with dying light one coming out and then them sustaining that game with update after update after update adding in a multiplayer mode adding in all these different things to dying light one and probably having a very sticky fan base because they've not let that fan base go over the years and so when you release a big new title uh it has that it it feels like not just a like a second sequel, right? It, yeah. it doesn't feel like a second game of the franchise. It feels like another entry into a long-storied franchise because they've kind of been treating it that way, even though it has two in the title. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it has that staying power, which is really impressive. And I would, know, I would not have called this, but you'll get them dying line too.
0: Yeah, really uh, man, game. dude, video games are cool. This year is about to be absolutely wild. Like, bless, I can't wait. To where in December, looking back, like, what's this year gonna look like? Like, what is the game of the year conversation gonna be? Cause it's gonna, it's just gonna be great, man. Yeah, so much I quality.
1: Give me Starfield. Hopefully, Starfield comes out in November, cause I really wanna play that game. Tim, let's hop into story mm-hmm. number six. Bandai Namco is developing its own game engine. This is from Theodore Nicotin at. 80 level, which is an outlet I've not heard of, but Greg put it in here, so I trust him. Bandai Namco Entertainment, a Japanese video game publisher, has revealed that it has been working on its own game engine for at least three years. During an interview with Automation Media, Bandai Namco's Katsusuke Horiuchi uh, has confirmed that the company is developing a new engine to limit the reliance on third-party technology like Unity and Unreal Engine. The company, however, will continue to use them, but only alongside its own engine, and only when it's completely necessary. The development of Bandai Namco's in-house engine is being led by Julian Mercerin, who has previously worked on Konami's Fox engine as well as various other game engines. The development team consists of 50 people. The interview also mentions that there are no titles currently in development for the company's upcoming engine. Quote, The reason for in-house production is that we, we want to continue to have the technological capabilities to create a solid foundation by ourselves, rather than leaving the base to game engines made by other companies, said Katsisuke Horiuchi. Cool. You know this is a very, this is a very uh, interesting one that we'll kind of have to wait and see what uh, this turns into. But it being worked on by folks who are involved with Fox Engine at the very least is exciting because Fox Engine is off the chain. And we did not see enough games come out of that. You
0: really didn't, man. Fox Engine and RE Engine are just two things that are so near and dear to my heart. Where well, I just love them. I love them so much, and I just want to yeah. see more. But I don't yeah. know that we're ever going to get another Fox Engine game. Bless.
1: <laughs> man, it sucks, right? Like Metal Gear Solid Five. I remember. 2015, right? It was fall. Mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid Five just came out, and I was playing it in my bedroom, and I was having a great time. And like, I remember one cutscene where it was Snake. He was hopping out of the helicopter, as you do in that game, you know, mm-hmm. so many times. As you do. He was hopping into um, uh, the base, right? And like, it just clicked for me where I was like, this might be one of the best
0: looking games I've ever seen in my life. Dude, I I often think back to even Ground Zeroes when it first came out, and I'm watching this shit, and I'm like, how is the camera moving this way? Like it yeah. is so cinematic. It looks so fucking good, and like you look back at it now, and it still looks good so many years later. And the <laughs> most shocking thing about it is that game wasn't just on what was at the time the next gen, current gen of PS4. It was also on PS3 and 360, and it looked amazing. That engine is magic, man. I mean, could you imagine that engine on the PS5? Like what it, what those oh. games
1: would look like? How those games would run? No, give I it can't. to me. Give it to me one day i mean hey maybe this bandai namco engine might be somewhat comparable probably won't be but like i can hope i can dream Mm -hmm. let's round out the report report is story number seven it looks like the batman arkham games could be coming to switch this is jordan Midler at video games chronicle and as a reminder jordan Midler will be making an appearance on kfgd on wednesday hosting with me so look forward to that Batman Arkham Collection has been listed for release on Nintendo Switch by a French retail site. According to to French retailer WTT which I'm just going to say stands for Watch the Throne. I don't know that to be true. Hell yeah. I'm just going to go with it. The game will cost $59.99 in Euros and uh, currently holds a placeholder release date of August 31st, 2022. Watch the Throne previously listed the Switch port of The the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt before its announcement, potentially lending legitimacy to the Batman listing. Arkham Collection was released for other PC PC or other consoles and PC in 2018 and includes Rocksteady's three Arkham games, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. Tim, are mm-hmm. you down to hop into some Arkham on Switch? No,
0: that doesn't no, sound like a good you. time at all. These, I mean, these Switch ports, man, they're just never great. They're always like mm-hmm. an inferior way to play the game. And like that, I think, is one of the biggest limitations of the Switch Is it, and it has been for years now, but it's just showing its its age and its design philosophy in the sense that like, it can play these games but should it play these games yeah, but should it be one, it? like yeah that's the thing is like i just feel like there's so much better so many better ways to play a lot of the these like collections that are being put on switch that's not true all the time but i don't know this cool yeah. it's happening but like is it going to be cloud-based is it there's there, there's always a catch
1: yeah you saying cloud-based makes me a little bit scared but like these are when you're talking about arkham uh asylum in arkham city right like those are games that ran on 360 and ps3 which i'm sure is comparable and the wii to the u. that uh and the wii u i forgot that arkham came out on the on the wii u uh but like you imagine that the switch would be able to run those fine of course this is a collection that i'm sure is remastered so maybe there are some technical stuff there that makes those games a bit more uh hard to run but we'll see with it i hope it's good and i know Barrett You will probably play this and uh, I'm, oh, yeah. i'll wait to hear his thoughts um but yeah arkham there you go if you're a switch fan if you're an arkham fan have fun Tim, I'm mm-hmm. excited to see if these games are good. But the release of the Arkham games on Switch is just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mama Drop Shops today, where would I look?
0: The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts, each and every weekday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Today, we got
1: Unstrong Legacy for Switch, Heroes of Loot 2 for Switch, and then Disco Elysium, the Final Cut Jamais View Update is now available on P- PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Uh, we got one new date for you. Rover Mechanics Simulator is coming to Nintendo Switch on February 18th. So there you go. Uh, now it's time for funny.com slash you're wrong. Rewrite and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services around The
0: globe,
1: Uh, nails being technical in here. All right, nano. Nano writes in and says the seafood trophy is twenty five and under, not under twenty five, so you get a a little extra buffer there.
0: You know we went. Uh, mm -mm 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 -mm. Uh, The paper writes in and says Tim's incorrect. Gran Turismo is still a huge seller. Gran Turismo Five is the best-selling exclusive on PS3, and Gran Turismo Sport has outperformed Gran Turismo Six. So my point that I'm making is that relative to PlayStation games selling, it's, not, it's no longer the number one. Like you're talking about, that—that's PS3. that's PS3. That's 10 years ago. I'm talking about like Gran Turismo used to be like the top selling, and now it's just a very high selling.
1: Nano uh, Rice says Bayonetta released the same day on PS3 and 360. It was just hmm. a delayed launch from Japan to international release. Hmm and then one more from charles jacobson the fox engine was retired with the 2020 update for eFootball pro evolution soccer 2020. konami has since then changed to unreal engine 4. so rest in peace fox engine that is the saddest thing i could read
0: that just is man i, I just looked up there. youtube videos of ground zeros running on 360 and it's just mind-blowing how bring it back bring it, bring back, it back tim Today's mm-hmm. Monday.
1: We got a whole week ahead of us. uh. So that means I should tell you about this week's hosts. Tomorrow, you're getting Greg and Gary Witta. Wednesday, you're getting me and Video Game Chronicles, Jordan Midler. Ooh. On Thursday, you're getting Greg and Tim. Then on Friday, it's me and Aaron A. Simon. So look Sick. forward to that. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike, Andy, and Nick on a Twitch stream. What are they streaming? I'm not sure. Kevin, do you know what they're streaming? They're seafood. streaming seafood oh, today, yeah, baby. they streaming Yeah, seafood. Heck yeah, so that's gonna be a fun time. Uh, time if you want to catch it. that stream later, you can subscribe to youtube.com slash kind of funny plays. Remember, this has been kind of funny games daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. We run you through the nerdy news needs to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily.